Welcome to Bellies, Babies, and Birth, the podcast for all things birth and pelvic health. You know what that means. There is no such thing as TMI on our podcast. We're going to speak truth and empower healing on all levels. And we're so excited to have you join us today. And we hope you're feeling uplifted and encouraged with this information. Uh, The best part about this is we're building community here in Phoenix by speaking to other birth workers and providers who are doing their thing and bringing healing to you in their own way. So join us as we dive in together. are the fitness advocates and we are here this is exciting for me because this is our first guest ever in-house that's right that's in. um, so honored exactly exactly and i think we're kicking it off honestly i don't think we could have done it with anyone more qualified oh my gosh you're so nice so, uh, we have amy from moment of truth pt um background uh, i'll give you i'll give you some some of the details and i would love to hear i actually would love to hear your story of how you kind of got into this a little bit um but i know we got over 20 years of pt experience the John Bernard myofascial release. Um, and right now you're specializing in uh, mostly pelvic floor and everything like that. But I would love to kind of hear just, you know, what led you, uh, you know, 20 years as a PT is no light, no light. Uh, That's a lot. I think we'll stop counting after that. It's just over 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Like over 20 years. We don't have to like add to that. Exactly. But yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. Um, so yeah, I've been a PT 20 years and started off with kind of, pediatrics actually, um, then some traditional ortho. And I f- took my first John Barnes myofascial course in March of 09. And that really opened my eyes to a whole different level of healing that was part of why I got into PT school in the first place. And so okay. just wanting to explore that. So I really started off down that avenue and that just, I was doing home health at the time, which is with a more elderly population super supportive company that was like, yeah, do your manual therapy. Like even when I got into some of the pelvic health, helping elderly people with incontinence is a major issue. So they were very supportive and I started my LLC in 2012, but I didn't really get focused and serious about just my practice of moment of truth, physical therapy until 2014. Um, I'd taken women's health also through John Barnes, which is not really kind of the traditional route amongst pelvic PTs. Most of them do Herman and Wallace courses, which is just a different company. There are two other pelvic PTs that started continuing ed courses. But um, in 2013 and 2015, and just really realized that it's such an underserved population. I had my kids in 2005 and 2008. And so, of course, when I got exposed to my fascial in general, I was like, oh, my gosh, I wish I'd had this when I was pregnant and postpartum yeah. and all of those things. And so kind of grew from there, um, took a long time before I even really called myself a pelvic PT, just from the standpoint of not having gone the traditional route of that career path per se, and still doing a lot of other myofascial things. But um, we've been in our current space since July of 2020. And that was an interesting time to open a brand new practice. And we also have the yoga studio there and some other practitioners in the space and massage and things, which is, is great. We try to have a lot of resources for moms and families there. We do actually treat men as well, but women are by 
far the majority of our yeah. client base. Yeah, absolutely. And that's uh, one thing we've really talked a lot about, and I'm curious to what your opinion is on it. And women are oversold and underserved. You Every, did bring that up. Everything's marketed yeah. to them. Everything is, I feel like they have the most push towards like this fitness uh, regimen, this diet thing, but there's never any actual weight to yeah. the things that they're offering. And so I think that, uh, and this is coming from someone, like I have so many women in my life that I can think of, I'm like, they have spent so much money on things they got no benefit from, so many doctor visits, so much medication. Supplements. Yeah, and it's. Clothing. Um, yep. Hair yeah. products, makeup products. Now I we're mean, putting giant I mean. bugs of eyelashes on our faces. <laughs> it's always yeah. something. Um, yeah. And so I think this is a great segue is into what are, I feel like the, in a big part of this is going to be really mental is what are some of those limiting beliefs that women have about themselves or about their bodies that can kind of keep them from maybe making the right decisions? Or even if you want to do alternative health, actually having great alternative health options, what are some most common and limited beliefs you see women have and how do you overcome those? Awesome question. Um, I think to your point, and I think this pertains to men as well, but to your point about the marketing, um, the messaging that one or 30 aspects of who we are and what we are isn't enough. Like we need these genes and we need this mm -hmm. look and we need this social media and we need this parenting and we need, you know, fill in the blank. Right. And so just all of that messaging that we aren't enough of something. Right. And usually multiple things pair that with my favorite rant um, and go back to kindergarten are what we're taught about our bodies and what that's supposed to be about has been wrong from, I don't want to say day one, because I've only lived how long I've mm -hmm. lived, but for yeah. an extremely long time, right? And there's things that have evolved. I mean, we could go on a major tangent into like when women were burned at the stake as witches. Uh, if for, you want to go with a history no, route, no, history is not I'm, my. <laughs> I will go on a history tangent on any day of the week. <laughs> that's awesome that's to where, know. It's where it starts. I 100% with you. Yeah. Well, that silly clip we were talking about before we actually officially started, where um, I'm on my little rant about, you know, in grade school, we're taught boys have a penis and girls have a vagina. Right. Wrong. It's mm -hmm. clitoris. A woman's sexual organ. Mm -hmm. is the clitoris. Yeah. Our vagina doesn't actually serve us much of a purpose. It's a way in for you mm -hmm. and it's a way out for babies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That has nothing to do with our actual sexuality. And the vast majority of women um, are misled and misinformed about this. Honestly, most men are misinformed. I mean, that's who f wrote the original textbooks and all the medical and science and whatever mm -hmm. that had it wrong from whenever it first was wrong. And so... I'm really passionate, as you can tell, about educating women about their own health, their own bodies, even in our, we, a workshop we gear towards teens to know their own cycle, to know their own natural fluids so that they don't think they have some sort of infection or yeast infection or disease or something wrong with them or they're not gross, like thinking they're the only ones that have some white stuff in their panties. Like mm -hmm, that's yeah. normal bodily functions and just knowing our own cycle and what's normal and common. I'm really big on separating that out. Leaking pee after having babies might be common, but it's not normal and it is treatable. And just kind of starting there because like you and I talked about at lunch, mm -hmm. my marketing challenges aren't about 
even my level of expertise or even how good our space is. It's helping women even know that this kind of physical therapy exists, that there's even this kind of treatment for things that make them feel broken and devastated. And they they don't have any idea that, that it even is treatable or that treatment exists or who to call. They don't even know what to Google. Never mind. Am I running good Google ads? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like they don't mm-hmm. even know. <laughs> yeah. Cause what terminology you're going to put on there ad wise, just so people aren't educated on. Right. Well, and, and what they are seeing are panty liners and pads and medications that yeah. they're seeing. Um, so yeah, appreciate, appreciate yeah. the chance to share today, guys. Of course. Of course. No, I think that, and I think that's big is, a lot of times people have these things and it's a lack of uh, exposure to these things. And that was something I was even thinking about on the way over here is I said, a lot of times there's any of these issues. Um, and, and this was something that I think you really resonate with. I thought of myself when I was younger, my grandmother, my mother, and I was like, how many of these women just are struggling in the dark? Like as a young boy, like they shouldn't feel ashamed to be like, Hey, your mom's having bladder issues or your mom has a like issue going to the bathroom because she's had, you know, never got the help that she needed. But there's so many women that struggle in silence. And because of that, there's so many men that don't know those issues. And then when they're exposed to them, they're like, this is new when it's exactly it's common, but it's not the right way to go with things. I find that's definitely the case with the painful sex issue. Um, Most women just think, oh, I've kind of always felt like this or and I mean, by far and away, I'm sure the absolute last thing that guys want to not be knowledgeable about and not do well at is sex, Mm -hmm. right? Like (laughs) if you guys knew better, you would do better. Mm -hmm. And so it's all of those layers, right? It's women knowing their own body to know what to ask for. It's the vulnerability on both sides to explore. And, you know, that's part of the whole sex 2.0 is like, this could be fun. This could be a new season of discovery. If we were told, no matter how great your pregnancy goes, no matter how great delivery does or doesn't go, mm-hmm. sex will be different afterwards. Yeah. And so this is how you go about embracing that. This is how you speak about what you need. This is, you know, helping women understand there's a very legitimate aspect to being touched out when an infant has to be on you almost all the time for survival. Yeah. Um, even the whole notion of sex drive, that's not a thing. That's not a thing. Mm-mm. It's not a primal drive for survival. There's that little piece of need to procreate and, you know, multiply the earth and all those things. But there's not an actual primal cellular brain, brain stem mm-hmm. drive for sex. Yeah. And it's not even about like, oh, girls have terrible libidos and men are always horny. Like, it's not even that. It's 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 in a way simpler and more layered and yeah, complicated. Yeah. Well, and personal story here, cause I don't know if Chase told you, I have a nine month old baby yeah. and probably it was last month. It's been good, but there was a three, four month span with my wife where she's like, you know, I'm working all the time. She's with three kids all the time. And she's just like, had no drive. Right. So she buys a supplement, some drink or whatever. This was to help me, you know, but then we finally got to the point where it's like, uh, there was things I needed to do, especially when I got home to help her with, get the kids in bed. You know, I take bed, responsibilities. I clean up, let her have her time when I get home. And it helped tremendously because she was just like, by the time she's like, I'm with kids all the time. I don't want to be touched. I want to be left alone. I want me time. And I was just like, all right, what am I doing wrong? And it found out, you know, there was more I could do in that sense to help her with that. So that makes sense. It's a perfect example and a really common example. Um, 
But I also try to be careful to not make the guys just feel like, oh, you're just idiots or you're just screwing up or you're putting everything on. Because, again, if you knew what to do, most guys are more than willing. They want to. They just don't know what. And when they don't know what, they feel helpless. And most of us don't cope well feeling helpless. It's not a pleasant feeling. It doesn't bring out the best in us emotionally or physically. But, yeah, we talk a lot about that with just we all have brakes and we all have accelerators. So do men often have more sensitive accelerators and women often have more sensitive brakes for sure. And if your wife's home, especially with three of them, um, you know, there's probably quite a massive pile on her brakes. And so, yeah, like you said, you come home, if she's got some space to clear some of that and you take some of those things off her brakes, Mm -hmm. that's often all that's needed for her accelerator to at least be on an even keel. Right. And so, you know, and women, it just can go downhill so quickly and it doesn't have to. Women don't, because then just the guilt about denying our husbands piles up and the guilt mm-hmm. about feeling like we're not giving the kids what they need and we're not giving the husband what they need. And then you guys just become this other thing on our to-do list that's never finished. Mm-hmm. It can just get so unhealthy and so yeah. overwhelming so quickly. And I just would like to help change that. Yeah. yeah. I, I think those are some amazing points. I can't remember what artist it was, but someone once said it's a, uh, Foreplay is the 24 hours leading up to sex. And I've oh, always I've heard that. I don't know who originated the quote, but yeah. yeah. And it's kind of one of those things, but it's like, if you think about it that way, it's like a lot of non-sexual things can really add up to a lot of those. Um, but you made so many great points. You brought up so many great things. Uh, coming, unfortunately, not from Utah, but unfortunately I've heard of this, the painful sex thing where there's a little giant lack of sexual education in Utah. It's a really common issue. And a lot of women think that it's normal. And so I think kind of uh, switching paces a little bit, what are some behaviors, uh, and I'm going to open it up, both for sexual health and both for pelvic floor health that are just tied and true for all women of all ages? Well, I think, again, so one thing we often do with clients is literally handing them a mirror. You know, I, again, in our teen workshop, I try to make it kind of silly and not as awkward because they're sitting there with their moms and it is wicked awkward. It's no way around it. But by then they've learned to shave, right? So Mm -hmm. I use that as an example. Like, did you get all weird about having to look in your armpit and find your armpit hairs? Like, we don't get weird like elbows. Elbows are really weird. You stop to look at knees and elbows. They have like weird bumps and wrinkly skin and they're weird, right? But we don't get weird about that but the down there that's so stigmatized it's like exactly you be pure whatever messaging right and purity or chastity or be a lady um cross your legs um don't look down there and then it's it's just can we normalize that we just have anatomy they're just more folds and it's just more skin and Mm -hmm. It's less weird for guys because all your stuff's just out there all the time. I don't think there's any way around like touching it, knowing it, seeing it. Mm-hmm. But for girls, it's kind of tucked a bit. But why could why do we have to be weird about our labias? And like you get a period, like why does it have to be weird about we have hair down there and we want to be clean down there? And just knowing that anatomy, I think, is so important and looking at it. I have women come to me and ask me how things are looking down there, wanting me to reassure them yeah. everything's normal. Well, there is a really broad range. I had a client use a mirror yesterday. I said, this looks a scotch red to me, but this might be your normal redness Mm. or pinkness. I was like, take a peek at it now. And that way you can keep an eye on if it gets more red or less red and kind of have a gauge for if there's any kind of inflammation going on. And so 
Um, also a rant I won't go on. I'm just going to leave this here. Women, please stop getting Brazilians. We have pubic hair for a reason. You can groom. You can shape. Please leave some of your hair alone. It's there for a reason. It affects your pH. It also has pleasurable sensation to it. Think about when the hairs on your arms yeah. go up. Mm-hmm. Like, just leave it alone. Um, anyway, but I think that knowing our own anatomy is probably the most powerful thing. Knowing what your labias look like so that if something is up, you would know. Um, same with skin tones, bumpiness, just like everywhere else on our body. The color of hair, the color of the skin, whether you have freckles and moles there, like that varies down there, just like it varies everywhere else. And Mm -hmm. we don't like most women don't look at themselves. Like we're not taught to do that. And I think that's Mm -hmm. a really healthy thing to do and know, and it's not weird and it's certainly not sexual. And if it was like, it's our own bodies, like who cares? So I just think it's really important to kind of get way more comfortable with our own skin and our own anatomy. Yeah. No, I think that's big, and I think it's uh, kind of right back to the – and it's I love the points that you're making, but it's exactly that. It's exposure. Like, have exposure to yourself. Be comfortable with yourself. Um, and I think especially if someone starts out at a young age, it can be something where if you have that knowledge, you can overcome any time. If you have those insecurities or any of those things, yeah. you can go, well, no, I know what's normal for me. Yeah. Like, exactly. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I didn't even know until I started getting – I didn't know labiaplasties was a thing. Like women will just like you get a nose job, they can. I didn't can, know that. Mm-hmm. I didn't either till I started doing pelvic health. Like mm-hmm. they'll be that unhappy with how things look mm-hmm. down there, and um, I almost regret saying that because I feel like now more women are going to be like, "Oh my gosh, maybe I should go get a labiaplasty." Like I feel like that message might backfire. Um, but yeah, I think and the painful sex thing. I'll have clients again, like from puberty when they first wanted to use a tampon because of sports or swimming or something. And even a tampon was uncomfortable and they didn't know what to do about it. And they just figured that was them and that was how it was. And so then they're with a partner or they get married or whatever the situation. And I'm sorry, but if a tampon's painful, sex is not likely intercourse, I should say, is not likely to be very comfortable or tolerable. And again, who knows what? Or where to go for that issue. You might talk to your OB, but they certainly don't treat it. Yeah. Um, they might recommend a set of dilators, but women don't know what to do with those and aren't necessarily comfortable using that. Mm-hmm. And um, again, I think it just contributes to those feelings of brokenness and not being enough. And, and again, none of that issue in terms of penetration has anything to do with their ability to orgasm which could actually help their other muscular tissue relax. We're not taught, even in PT school, when we went through our regular gross anatomy class, which was master's level, extremely extensive, every muscle, nerve, innervation, origin, insertion, all the things. As we passed by the pelvis, not so much as a mention that females have two layers of pelvic floor muscle and men have two, women have three, men have two. And if you're interested in, pelvic health look more into that not so much as a a mention of that in a master's level physical therapy program why do you think that is go on the tangent (laughs) the just going back to the it doesn't matter it's not important it's not a priority yet our sexual health this uh, underscores everything and i think 
you know, this is probably another tangent we won't really go down, but I think it's the approach towards our health is more, you know, after the fact, you know, here's a medication, here's a surgery, here's a something versus the proactive approach. Like we deal with strength training. A lot of people would see benefits from doing that. I think it's just that the medical industry is more after, reactive, reactive versus proactive. Yeah. Oh, I agree a hundred percent on that. Um, but yeah, just the, the importance of, and the fact that because it's muscle, it can be treated. It can be taught to relax. It can be manually relaxed if there's true adhesions or restrictions. Um, you know, things like endometriosis, interstitial cystitis, cysts. I mean, brief history note, won't go on the whole tangent, but literally women were diagnosed with hysteria because there wasn't any understanding of periods or cycles mm. or what was happening in their bodies. Men who were the only doctors and professors at the time only knew their bodies, which were of course different from female yeah. bodies. The females weren't the ones doing research. The females weren't the ones teaching or educating. And so the males just were like, Whoa, what is this? What's going on? And so literally a hysterectomy was their way of ectomies removal, removing yeah. the hysteria from a woman. No. Dude. Oof. See, that's, and I wish, I wish I could say that was as surprising. Cause I tell a lot of people that I'm I just conversation. I was like, they've only recently even started studying the woman's brain in comparison to men's the last 20 <laughs> years. Right. It's like in the nineties is when, and so it's, it's one of those things where it seems like as far as technology is advanced, where we have AI and scary stuff's happening on the body side of things. It feels like we're, we're really 2005. Still. Barely out of the dark ages. Yeah. yeah like we're still just slowly creeping along and one of the things i've really uh picked up from just listening and, and looking at some of your your content and i love that you guys do is you go like it's okay to uh to mourn or to feel to not knowing these things it's okay to go have those feelings and holding that space and i don't think a lot of people do that and i love that you guys do because um whether we like it or not um anything to do with our sexual health our sexual organs is somewhat emotionally tied and there's always a lot of emotions tied there and I think a lot of times it's how do I express that? I feel weird for expressing that. Um, what is some ways that men can hold space for the women in their lives? Because I've even asked recently, like, hey, how can I support you through this? This is not something that bugs me. It is obviously something you're working through. How can I support you? And they go, I don't know. So right. it's, it's one of those things in your experience. What's the best way to hold space? And what's some of the structure you would put down for someone be like, hey, ask these questions or have these thoughts, that reflection point. I think as an overarching idea, and this goes both ways, but like you're asking what can men do to help hold the space, giving permission. And then you can fill in a lot of blanks, giving permission to lose their shit. Are we allowed to cuss on your yes, podcast? Yes, um, yes. Giving, <laughs> should I ask that earlier? No, you're um, bleep me out or whatever. But give me, giving them permission to even say that they're touched out. Giving them permission to say no. I mean, that might sound serious because you might both be sitting here saying, oh, of course I would never want my partner to say yes when they don't want to. I can almost guarantee you they have. Yeah. Um, and the want gets weird, right? Like there's lots of times that I want to be with my husband, but do I want it more than I want the sleep or I want the, or more than I want the fact that I'm worried the kids are still awake with teenagers. Now the kids are still awake and might hear us. Like yeah. 
the, all of those things hit the brakes, right? And so I think, but the giving permission, you guys have probably seen the meme. It's on one hand, it's good awareness. On the other hand, it's like, whatever. It's like self-care is not finally getting a shower or a Starbucks at Target. Mm-hmm. I think the permission to truly, and this is so hard because it's so important for us as women to learn to communicate our needs. I mean, every all of us need to learn to communicate mm-hmm. our needs, right? Yeah. But if you could somehow, without making assumptions... I also use a personal example. I came home one time. My husband had just, he didn't ask me. He just had drawn the bath. He took the kids to in and out They were happy. He was happy. I was happy. He had put a bucket next to, um, he didn't know what I wanted. So he'd put a bucket next to the tub with chocolate, with uh, not your father's root beer, with a kombucha, with water. Um, what else did he leave right there? It's one of the best buckets I've ever heard of. Right? Because he's like, <laughs> not, a, not your father's root beer is so good. <laughs> so good. And I don't even love root beer, but, um, <laughs> so he didn't know if I'd want to drink or if I just want to hydrate or if I was being healthy and having a kombucha. Like, mm-hmm. so he just, he just did it. Right. I yeah, walked yeah. in the door and he was like, we're leaving, go upstairs. And so that's not a every day or an every week thing even, or even every month necessarily, but like just handling things, just the. Just the initiative, I don't know, to most of the time in a household, the female is usually the schedule runner. Mm-hmm. She typically knows what the kids have going on on the schedule, so she's the one that ends up planning things. Doing something, anything that takes decisions out of her brain, you, you'd have to be careful, of course, to not like ruin some plans or, or whatever, but like just planning out some of the meals for the week, just planning a date night and don't ask her a question. Now, you have to know your partner because some women, that would make them crazy. But just not having to decide is sometimes very freeing for me. And I am the planner. I am the doer. But to just, if I tell you I don't care, I mean it. And so just to take some of those decisions off her plate, just the paying attention. I think anytime women feel seen at all in any way that's remotely insightful is so meaningful. So just seeing her, being like, babe, even if you think she knows Especially when kids are little, we don't even know what we don't know. We don't even know what we need. We don't even know. We feel, uh, but we don't even know how you can help. So like even when you try and you ask, how can I help? Coming up with an answer is so painful. So just already doing the dishes or just already taking the kids to the park Mm -hmm. um, so that she can have a minute. Um, Just any of those things, I feel like when you're like, Babe, I see you working so hard. Like, I, I appreciate it, and you're amazing. And some of that can play into love languages. Like, if words words of affirmation, if it's her love language, that'll go further than it will for someone whose love language is just read my brain quality was, time. Yeah, I was about to bring that up. Exact thing. That's what. So far as we've communicated, I loved it because it is it is like every we so many of the same things, and it's it's so cool because I don't, you realistically I don't see a lot of people. Um, especially on the PT side, without your specialization, you know, worry and think about the things you do. And so what you guys do, it's honestly special and it's niche. And I love that you guys do it. Um, but that was my next point is I think a lot of times it's uh, it's love language based. Right. And so it's like for myself, for example, I can get mean. I was telling Keaton this recently. I was laughing. I just had to have a laugh about it. But I was like, um, it was it was my girlfriend was trying to initiate sex. And I was like, it's 1030. You could have initiated it. 1025 at 1020, 1015. But I was like, I am already half asleep. I'm a pumpkin. Yeah, but I was like, I am out. And she's just like, 
oh, what? I was like, you could tell me any point the other day, but I was like, for me, it's like sleep is, you know, when I have long days coming up, it's like that's the only thing I can't sacrifice. And in something, the same conversation we had, is it's a phase of life thing too. And so I almost feel like for it's, sure the it's, seasons are huge. Check check in with your partner. Be like, you know, these are the rules of uh, you know engagement that we had before. Do they still work? Does that still play in? I mean, so far it's this is the the, the hardest part. How does uh, as someone comes in and works with you, how does that conversation for these things go? Because that's the thing is like we're all t- here talking. We can agree. Mm-hmm. And even then I can think of myself. I'm like, you know, there's, this is great information. Now, I don't always apply it the best, which is the hard part. How are you communicating this to uh, your clients that might just be on, you know, let's say there's, then we can think of some people that, uh, you know, that mean you had both talked to. It's like they're so far away from this, uh, you know, just super eagle eye view. What does it look like for you guys coming in, seeing a client that way, what's that process look over the head of just like, hey, I know that I need to have this conversation, but we're 10 small conversations away from that. Yeah, for sure. And especially new moms. um, They're just getting through the day. They're not, sometimes, especially depending on how delivery went and what the other demands on them are, sometimes they're not even really home. They're not totally in their bodies. I think I would also be really remiss if I didn't add that, other tip of just um, kind of just flew out of my brain, but but in the kind of just paying attention vibe, um, off the circle back to it, it totally mm-hmm. left. But so to answer your question, though, a lot of times it's in the asking questions, and we definitely pride ourselves in kind of knowing our clients and what they might be going through better than they know themselves. And it's not so much better than they know themselves. It's in their current awareness, right? So it's the asking the questions. They might come in, like if they're leaking pee or something, or they're having trouble getting back to any kind of workouts and they just know they don't feel like themselves, or they're having pain, that will bring them in the door. They're not thinking about, do I feel disconnected from my husband? Or at least they're not thinking about it in their paperwork or the like, why would I get PT? I'm feeling disconnected from my husband. Mm -hmm. So like just in the asking of the questions of what's going on and how they're taking care of themselves, we're also pretty careful about postpartum mental health because sometimes, again, we only see the small population of women we see, but for those that we are seeing, we're the ones that spend the most time with them. Most women will get that six week checkup, but a lot of times that's barely a conversation. A lot of times some providers ask more in depth about sleep, how they're feeling, how they're coping. But again, most women will say, oh, I'm okay. Like you have to know more specific questions to ask. You have to really look at them and it helps because we get the chance to know them for a bit longer. And so in that spending time with them, I, I take that pretty seriously. And recently on the podcast, I had someone who specializes in postpartum mental health um, counseling and just learning even about, because that's such a range of normal. And so how's a woman going to know, am I just the normal baby blues, sleep deprived, normal postpartum hormones? Am I on the brink of postpartum anxiety, depression, rage, psychosis? Like, where does that fall? And I remember even after my son, who was my second, I wasn't having the classic like depression. I wasn't having trouble getting out of bed. I wasn't having trouble like, oh, I don't want to go anywhere or see anybody or do anything. Or I wasn't not caring for them. I was still showering. Like I wasn't any of the classic things, but I knew I didn't feel like myself. But again, if you had asked me what I needed other than the obvious like sleep, I wouldn't have been able to tell you anything. And I certainly never had thoughts of like harming myself or the kids, 
But there would be these bursts of rage that would erupt. And I sort of thought that was its own little compartment on that scale. But in her experience and training, she said that isn't its own like category. It's a function of postpartum anxiety. So that was something I learned even in that podcast. But I think it's just the asking the questions. It's seeing. And of course, in a partner situation, you guys would know them better. You would know that they're not themselves. I My mom and my husband stepped in one time and um, I don't remember exactly how old Trevor was, but he was long enough that I'd pumped and my husband had milk and stuff. And they sent me over to my mom's to get a full night's sleep. And that was life altering. Uh, so mm. that's something you can definitely do. Um, yeah. Especially after the baby's like six, eight weeks old, you know, you got to get in that rhythm of even nursing and stuff that can take a minute. Um, but yeah, just getting some sleep. But I think that Eagle eye view, it's just knowing more of the questions to ask Um a little bit of the insights, taking a little bit of time to dial past the, oh, how are you doing? Oh, I'm okay. Oh, great. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. get a little more into how life, and we don't use the phrase bounce back. We don't, I'm even careful the way I talk about, I want women to feel that autonomy again. I want them to feel like themselves again. I try to be careful about how I word that because it's, I don't want it to be a going back. It's a new, you're not the same person and you never will be. And any kind of wanting to be will just create suffering. So it's like, how can we move forward into you still feeling like you have a, an identity outside of wife, mother, whatever, homemaker. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's sometimes hard for women if they even want to stay at home, but then if they're not their job too, like that's a whole other battle um, that a lot of women face. But just that own identity, yet it's not a get back to yourself because you never will. You're, we're going this way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and just ha- making it okay for them to admit they're wrestling with that, um, making it okay for them to admit that it's hard and they're struggling and they don't know where to land. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's not necessarily an answer. You can't fix it in that moment. Yeah. Um, well, something, and once again, mean, I think me and you've had hours of discussion over one thing and it's, I think as, as practitioners, coaches, whatever it is, it's like one of the best things you could do for anyone is just acknowledge people just want to be, Hey, I see you working through this. I see that you are a little bump in the air. And I think almost that just like brings that guard down for a lot of people. And I feel like it's, it's one of the most powerful things. I think if you have any, depending on where, where, whatever, whenever, I think it's one of the best things you can do for a partner, regardless is just acknowledge, Hey, I see you working really hard, putting in hours in, Hey, I see you keeping the house clean, doing this. Hey, I see whatever it is. Just, you know, seeing your partner and seeing them for what they're doing. Cause it feels like, I think most humans are going through life just looking for acknowledgement. 100%. Just for what they're looking through. And you reminded me of the other tip I had forgotten. Perfect. So really, 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 really important. Non-sexual touch. I think this is very individual, so this isn't a general tip for everybody, but my husband's a firefighter, so there's 10 nights a month he's on shift that he's gone, gone. So I for sure have the night off, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think, though, if... I think it could go a long way for both people in a relationship if there were nights that it was just off the table, just so there was never any will we, won't we expectation. Like if it was just because 
Yes, I have nights it's off the table because he isn't literally there. But that's not the same as us spending time together with it off the table. Yeah. And just mm. so, and he'll know now it took me forever to realize I needed to ask for this because I didn't understand what I was even feeling and the resentment I was even noticing. It took me a while to put it all together and figure out how to ask him. But I'll tell him, I need a hug for me. He knows that means no boobs, no butt. <laughs> So it means uh, I need a everything is right in the world hug because he's my husband and he can give me that. He can like hugging him, him holding my hand is very much a everything will be okay feeling for me. Not when he's grabbing my ass, my boobs, like whatever. And I'm grateful he's handsy and I'm grateful he still thinks I'm hot and whatever else. But so I think sometimes that non-physical touch means the world. Yeah to figure out a way to communicate that there, this is literally for you, babe. There's no expectation in it. I'm not hugging you right now. Cause I hope we get it on later, you know, some way. And mm-hmm. that'll be between the two of you um, to figure out what fills that bucket for you. Cause yeah. that, that goes a long way. That means the world. I love that. That's some of my favorite advice. I think I've so far you've given a lot of, that's, that's amazing advice. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're getting close to the end. And so the one thing I think I would really love to hear you, uh, go into, and I think it, it, the reason I want to hear this most is I think it's, uh, hard for a lot of people to know, you know, what is and what isn't. And it's kind of, a uh, I think something you guys are really, really great at. It's handling trauma in these issues. Wondered if you're going to go yep. there. Yeah. Okay. That's one, yeah. that's the one no, I really wanted to yep. hit. And I want you to define it a little bit because as i was listening to uh some of the stuff you guys are talking about too i was like i can really imagine but i was like if somebody were because a lot of times it's like uh someone will tell you something you're like oh i didn't even know that that was this or it could be defined as this from someone that's a professional and so i think there's probably a lot of women out there that are like you know i haven't felt great about that but it's it's whatever under the rug or whatever it is and there's also different kinds of trauma right there's the emotional there's physical trauma there's these different aspects of it so i would love to hear you um, really define what trauma is and can be what it, and, um, kind of just give some light to that. So maybe some stuff that people will be like, uh, I don't even know. Like one of the examples, uh, I was kind of, as I was coming up with this question, me and Keen were talking about, it was like, obviously there's some, uh, topics on this that are like, Hey, that's trauma. You were uh, right. raped or yeah. anything like that. But I was also like, if you were riding horseback and something happened, there's physical trauma. Mm-hmm. That's not always that. So I would love to hear you define some of those things and maybe some commonalities uh, and just bring some light to those things. Yeah. And I'm, so, I'm glad you, I'm glad we're going there. Um, this could be its own whole hour. So I'll try to <laughs> sum up some important pieces. So yeah, when you think, I think when we think of trauma, we think of something really dramatic, like, like being beaten or molested or a rape, um, or something significant like a gunshot or war, right? V- veterans and PTSD. And so in our ever-increasing awareness of mental health, things don't magically come back into balance, right? So those things have been long, long, long ignored. Well, now we're swinging kind of over here, and it's almost hyper-awareness of yeah. potential mental health, right? So that, good, bad, and the ugly, right? That can That can work in both directions. And so I think when it comes to women specifically, if you look at the statistics around rape, molestation, domestic violence, those are kind of dramatic. But then if you add in miscarriage, struggles with infertility, and then birth trauma, the chance that someone walking through our door hasn't experienced some kind of trauma 
and even just painful sex possibly or any kind of chronic pain is traumatic. Chronic pain changes your brain chemistry. Um, it takes quite a toll. So the chance that somebody doesn't have some sort of trauma, and I think people are now a little bit hesitant to use that label because it does feel so dramatic um, or because they'll be judged or put on a medication or, you know, whatever. So, um, and I know when it comes to women in postpartum, we're already doubting our abilities as moms. We're already doubting, like, what did I sign up for? Can I do this? Like, how am I ever going to embrace motherhood, right? The chance of being labeled as any worse at that is just terrifying to say that you're scared of hurting somebody or that you're scared. Like we're women are legitimately scared. Their kids are going to be taken away from them. So it's gets very tricky very quickly. Um, and so to be able to provide that safe space mm-hmm. and to be able to provide help and more than just listening, um, there's an amazing book called The Body Keeps the Score. I don't typically recommend it to clients just because when you've had a bunch of trauma, reading some of the stuff about it, I think I didn't personally have childhood trauma and reading that chapter, I had to put it down for a bit. Like it mm-hmm. and I don't mean like for like ten minutes, I mean for a couple of weeks. It it's hard content, but he covers so much in there and the and the base premise of the body keeps the score is the important piece, right? And so that's why I actually, when I started looking for a building and to build out the current space we have, the whole pivot point was around the yoga studio. And that's because very little in our world helps us go inward. Very little in our world helps us gain that true superpower of awareness and slow down and breathe. And when you've had trauma of any kind, you kind of run. Your brain's like, oh, you don't really need to pay attention to that. And we spin and we run and we're scared to stop. We're scared what's sitting there waiting for us. But it's in your body anyway. So I think the other magical thing about trauma is that and why I try to partner with and bring awareness to therapists that do somatic experiencing, EMDR, brain spotting, um, the TRE sessions we offer. Um, There's just a lot of ways, hypnosis, um, to get to and release and resolve and remove the reactivity from those subconscious triggers. And talk therapy, when, when you're talking about true trauma, especially childhood trauma, you can't get there. Because you can only talk about what's in your conscious awareness, and that's not where it is. It's it's in there. And so, yeah, it, there's a lot, but it's also doesn't have to be so huge and scary. And we do, that's part of why I'm so committed to having a network so that when it's truly not in my lane, like, let's get you what you need. Let's mm-hmm. partner. Let's make sure we're dealing with inflammation and gut health. Let's make sure we're addressing mental health and true support and have resources and people that I know and have spoken to in the Valley. That's what my podcast is committed to is just kind of that network here. Um, just help people know what's available. Mm-hmm. That was, <clears throat> yeah. that was a great, yeah, I think you covered that. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, like, I, know I we, mean, there's so much, I know yeah. we could have spent an hour just on that, but uh, no, I think you really <clears throat> covered it really well. And I think the, uh, the best part of that is it's, it's don't be afraid to explore. Don't be afraid to explore your brain, see if things are, you know, there's different uh, stimuluses that bring different things out. And that's both physical, mental, and emotional, right? And it's kind of those, all, all those aspects can kind of come together. And then you can get true healing and, and mm-hmm. true, really good health. Um, I mean, that was awesome. I don't have, I yeah, no, a cap. I've had some stuff in my head the whole time. That <laughs> I think it's a great way to kind of end it. So first off, 
Um, I think it's the first time I've been like, I just want to sit here and just listen. I like to always input. My wife would definitely say I like to always <laughs> input, but I've loved to sit here and listening. But it's got me thinking about all the things like I'm picturing my wife, right? So, I mean, just since like COVID, I can sit here and think, one, she's dealt with PCOS since teenager, right? Then we go into ectopic pregnancy, which led to fallopian and ovary removal on her left side, which when they go in, she's got endometriosis. Then we go into a miscarriage and now baby, all within like the last three, four years, right? So I'm sitting here going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And so this has been great for me. But as awesome as it is to learn, I want not only my wife, right, but anyone who may be listening, how do one, they find you through maybe social media, your business, how, what's, how are you able to access it? Because I'm sitting here thinking physical therapy, you know, an insurance has to approve it. Like, what are their processes of being able to find it and then be able to afford it and get through that? Like, I think this is something a lot of women should be able to have access to. So how do they get there? Awesome. Yeah. So, and PCOS and endo specifically, the healthcare community, even traditional medicine are pretty baffled by. They can't even officially diagnose endo until they're in there surgically. Um, They can guess, they can go off symptoms, um, and they don't have answers. And usually the answer is some version of hormone therapy and birth control, which has consequences. Um, Pelvic guru, so I want to speak nationwide and then I'll get to Arizona and locally. Nationwide, pelvicguru.com has a great directory of pelvic PTs. APTA has a pelvic directory, but the people on there will only be... It's a much more limited directory because it will only be people who have done the, I think you had to have had done the pelvic certification through them, which okay. is not the majority of pelvic PTs at all. <clears throat> but Pelvic Guru's got a great directory. Um, in Arizona, we're a direct access state. So you actually don't need a prescription from a doctor okay. to see physical therapy of any kind. Now, that being said, your insurance company might want a prescription. Yeah. Luckily, you do have 30 days to get that so that it doesn't delay your care or delay an appointment. There are some um, bigger companies and insurance-based providers, Spooner Physical Therapy being one of them, that does um, some of their locations have a pelvic PT. Banner has a couple, and I think Honor Health has a couple. Those are the only insurance-based providers in the Valley that I'm aware of. Then there's quite a few of us that are Mm -hmm. cash-based. Even within cash-based, we provide you those same super bills to try to submit for reimbursement with the same diagnosis codes, ICD-10 codes now, um, to try to get reimbursed. Our particular office, um, we are probably one of the highest charging in the Valley just due to what we're trying to offer and level yeah. expertise and, and one-on-one with the therapist and all the things that we, we do for our clients. But we also have payment plans to try to work with people's budgets. We also have... Um, packages and things to kind of try to bundle it and make sure they're getting everything they need and some value there. Um, We also have a pro bono practice. We've got doctoral students that come learn and be mentored by us, and we use them to run a pro bono clinic. It's a scotch choppy because, like, our last student had a 15-week rotation. They all have a four-week onboarding, and there's usually a little gap between rotations. So, um so she just finished last Friday. So we have a two week gap till the next student starts and then four weeks till she's done oh, all of okay. her training and onboarding. But 
We've got that running through February of next year. And so it's just kind of something that I'm doing to try to give back to the community and try to not only benefit the students because they get the chance to be in this niche. They get the chance to learn a ton of manual therapy with the fascial and visceral work we do. And they get exposure to what running a cash practice is like, which is um, kind of a big deal to the new grads right now. So they get a great inside look at all of that. I'm super transparent and um, they train under Emily and myself and then that also enables us to let them run a caseload and get used to doing an evaluation by themselves and all of those things. Um, can't promise that will continue past February of 2024, but we've got another 10 months of it going with three more students that are coming in. And okay. um, that's definitely a kind of an odd and unique situation, but again, gives clients who truly can't afford to see our services. We do have like a brief application, but um, a way to get care. Um, So pelvic physical therapy, you can Google it just like everything else and try to search people near you. But um, we're at momentoftruthpt.com. We're over here in Peoria, Arizona. Um, Yeah, we're on Instagram, Facebook, all the things, YouTube channel with a lot of educational video, a lot of resources on our homepage of just like free reports on postpartum recovery, getting back in the gym, um, pregnancy pain. Uh, men's pelvic health. Um, we also treat babies. So there's some lip and tongue time breastfeeding information there okay. too. And even there's actually the number one free report at the top is just what is pelvic PT. And we have quite a few videos on the YouTube channel okay. about that too. Just again, just trying to help women even yeah. know it exists and know that they don't have to, my recent like little drama I'm beating is like no settling, no suffering, no shame. Oh, that's I like that a lot. Might have to make shirts like you guys. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's got a guy. But no, yeah, your website's uh, awesome. You got the podcast you do really is like I'm seriously. I was I was going through a couple of the episodes and I was like, man, there is so much. Um, and the thing, and we could go on a whole other tangent. I yeah. love that you guys do breath work. I love that you worry about the eyes. I love like all of the same yeah. stuff. I was like, no one thinks that way to go. There's so many nervous system signs that hide so many of these things, right? But uh, once again, that's a whole other. We could we could just talk. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I really uh do really really love what you guys are doing. Love the way that you're doing it. Um, and, uh, social medias are all moment of truth PT. Yep. Perfect. And well, healing space yoga studio for the yoga studio. I've got a lot, like a lot of the breath work workshops and mm-hmm. some of that's incorporated to our regular classes, but we also have so many workshops coming up for the summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we'll get some of those in the links. Um, I know we are pushing on time. So if any last statements, any last Comments, questions, no, or that concerns. That was mine. I got Is that it off, my, you're burning I got it off okay. my chest. <laughs> I can see you're sitting there, like, kind of waiting. I was no, like, I was like I'm going to let this just happen, but I've got my stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, thank you again for coming on. It was, uh, it was amazing. Thanks yeah, for having I me, guys. Oh, see you guys next time. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Belly's Babies and Birth. We hope you enjoyed this content. Um, please join us over at momentoftruthpt.com where you can learn more about our physical therapy services focused on pelvic health for both men and women. We do all things pregnancy and postpartum as well as treat babies. You can also connect with us on our YouTube channel with Moment of Truth Physical Therapy. We really try to put out a lot of good educational and helpful content for you guys. That being said, connect with us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and make sure you reply or send us a message. We'd love to know what topics you'd like to hear more about. Talk to you next time.